I'm Avery Smith of the Rock Candy Podcast Network, and you're listening to Blessed Are the Binary Breakers, a multi-faith podcast of transgender stories. Hello all, how are y'all doing? Since the topic of this episode is mental health among trans folk, I'll be honest and say I've been doing pretty rough these past few months, and I know I'm not alone in that. The pandemic is causing extreme stress on most of us, from financial insecurity to COVID-related grief, from the pain of isolation to the stress of being stuck at home while closeted or while out to hostile people, So I figured this is an important time to discuss mental health. And while I fervently believe that when the topic of transgender persons come up, discussing only our suffering without also emphasizing that we can and do thrive is a dangerous thing, it is still vital to address the mental illness and trauma that is far more common among trans folk than the general population with nearly half of all trans persons experiencing depression and or anxiety, and around 41% of us having attempted suicide at some point. It's especially important to discuss why we are more likely to be mentally ill than the general population. It is not because there's something inherently wrong or traumatic about being trans. A good... Oh my gosh, like five or six years ago now, I went to receive the Catholic Sacrament of Reconciliation, or Confession, for the last time. After several years of discernment, I had finally come to the decision that God was calling me to officially join an affirming denomination, which meant leaving some elements of Catholicism behind. During my confession, I let the priest know of my plans to leave the Catholic Church, explaining that the stigma against queerness within the Roman Catholic Church was the main factor propelling me outward. This priest was very kind. He didn't try to shame or pressure me into staying Catholic. In fact, he even assured me that there was nothing I could do to lose God's love or my Catholic home, which was affirmation I deeply needed at that time. But one thing he did point out was the high rate of mental illness among the LGBTQA plus community. He suggested that the reason for this is that some inner part of an LGBT person knows that the choices they are making and living into their identity go against God's will for them. It's this cognitive dissonance, he reasoned, that causes us to experience depression, anxiety, and so on. Well, numerous studies, as well as the testimonies offered by LGBT plus folk, evince that that is just not true. It is not transness itself that goes hand in hand with mental illness, but society's reactions to transness, the stigma and shame that we all grow up steeped in, so that we even internalize it within ourselves. 
the fear and reality of discrimination that makes trans folk, especially trans women of color, more likely to be denied jobs or subjected to physical or emotional violence, the isolation and alienation of rarely seeing people like you depicted on TV, and when they do appear, it's often as painful caricatures. Is it any wonder that someone who grows up learning that God despises them for existing develops depression? Or that someone painfully aware that people are watching and judging their every move develops an anxiety disorder? That someone who is given no evidence that a person like them can live a long and happy life develops suicide ideation? Meanwhile, studies that I will link in this episode's transcript show that trans persons who find themselves surrounded by accepting and loving communities, who are supported in whatever transition path they choose for themselves, experience a vast improvement in their overall well-being. This is why it is imperative that we all take action to increase knowledge and support of transgender persons in our faith communities, our schools and workplaces, in healthcare, and throughout society. Trans persons can and do thrive when given half the chance. This is also why making space for trans persons who have come to a place of thriving is so vital. I want every trans person who is currently struggling to know that they are not alone and that there truly is hope that things will improve that there are communities out there that will accept and love and support them, that there are therapists and healthcare professionals who are educating themselves on how to serve trans patients and activists advocating for transgender rights in every aspect of society. That is why I'm grateful to the lovely people who shared a little bit of their stories with me for this episode of Blessed Are the Binary Breakers. In this episode, you will hear from four different trans persons, five if you include me, on how their faith, gender, and mental health interact, and on how education and community and finding a purpose have helped them move from some really bleak places into joyful possibilities. Because all of these people will be discussing mental illness please be aware that you will be hearing about suicide ideation, suicide attempts, and self-harm. Not in graphic detail, but with some brief details. If these topics are not safe for you to hear about right now, please turn this episode off and go listen to something that brings you encouragement and energy. And if anyone listening to this finds themselves in urgent need of someone to talk to ASAP, visit translifeline.org for a hotline by and for trans persons. Or visit thetrevorproject.org for a hotline that offers call and text options for any LGBTQ individuals 25 and under. Or visit suicidepreventionhotline.org for a general hotline. Keep safe. Your life matters, and you deserve to live to see yourself in a more joyful, love-filled future. That being said, let's dig into today's stories, starting with my conversation with Solaris Baldwin, whom you'll actually hear more from at the end of this month. 
Solaris is a black, gender-fluid Methodist in the United States whose experiences highlight how feeling trapped without options can exacerbate mental health issues and suicide ideation. They and I then talk about how mental illness among trans folk is, as I mentioned before, not an intrinsic part of the trans experience, but a consequence of transphobia that we can all do our part to fight. Before we hear from Solaris, I want to tell you about another great show on the Rock Candy Podcast Network. My conversation with Solaris will start after this short ad. Hey Sugar, I'm Erica Michelle. I host a voice diary called Brown Sugar Diaries on the Rock Candy Network, where I spill all the tea about my dating experiences, life lessons, my journey to healing and wholeness, my life as an entrepreneur, student doctor, CEO of a nonprofit, and I give my opinion on the current happenings of the world. You see why I have this voice diary? I got a lot of stuff to talk about. Tune into Brown Sugar Diaries wherever you listen to podcasts and let's sip on this tea or wine. Your cup, your business, sugar, okay? not in a great place in high school, uh, especially towards the end. Uh, my grades were not super great. I didn't have a lot of friends and I was basically ridiculed at home and at school all the mm. time. And it wasn't a great time. Um, yeah. And a lot of the ultimatums I was getting at home were sort of like shape up or dip out sort of mm. thing and uh, yeah. like if I didn't get my grades together and if I didn't graduate then I was gonna have to go to the military um I, I'm disabled uh but it wasn't super as bad as it is now um when I was in high school but bad enough that I knew that I wasn't gonna get into the military so basically my plan was like if I don't graduate high school well that's basically it for me yeah um, oh yeah and getting towards like um, spring of the of 2016, which is when I graduated. It wasn't looking great for my prospects, but there was a lot of things that that I kept putting it off for, like my sister's birthday is in spring, and I was in a play, and mm. oh, I had to wait for all of these other things. Um, right. Yeah. And in that time, I think that uh, I did a lot of I did a lot of wrestling, rotting myself, and just like life in general and I think I came to an understanding with my faith um and with God that maybe things suck like so much right mm-hmm. now yeah. and um are probably gonna suck so much for a long time but let me just let me just see what's happening first but but with like the knowledge that I can always bail if I have to Oh, oh man, that really resonates with me. <laughs> I, I I almost wish it didn't, but yeah, I've I really feel you, especially like um, I think people who haven't experienced that sort of like suicide ideation like don't realize that a lot of times it comes from that feeling of like I don't have any other options type thing. Um, uh, as luck would have it, I did graduate and I did get accepted to college. Yay! Which is not a thing I was expecting at all. I'm still in school, but I'm not there now, obviously. Right. Because there's a pandemic happening. Right. <laughs> so uh, I, I miss being a part of that community, but um, mm-hmm. it was good while I was there. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's sort of, I guess, that's mostly where my journey has ended up. I think mm-hmm. that obviously suicide ideation and mental health and depression and stuff does not just go away. Right, unfortunately. Just yeah. Especially, even if your circumstances get better, it, like, becomes, like, hardwired in your brain, which sucks. Earlier this year, I think is something really significant that happened that I feel like I need to share. You can edit it out if you want, but I feel like I need to share with somebody. Okay. Um, Earlier this year, uh, due to circumstances, I was, uh, ended up on the freeway in Kentucky, with nowhere to go mm. uh the old brain was like well you can always bail mm. that was what i was going to do yes yeah um and right as i was about to step onto the freeway i swear to god the this truck came out of, like not like a semi-truck but like just like a regular like flatbed truck yeah. came out of nowhere i backed up and these two guys like came and picked me and my sister up and took us to the gas station and like mm helped us call someone to come get us. And when I say that these were angels of the Lord, Mm. like they super were. It was so insane to me, like how I was done. I was like not even having it anymore. Mm -hmm. And that happened. And I, I I just feel like it wasn't just random yeah but uh i've been sitting on that like all year and i haven't really told anybody mm-hmm. that seems like a great time yeah no thank you so much for sharing that that actually just really like oh that hit right that hit my heart like so hard like yeah like you're saying like suicide ideation doesn't go away and i think the way like for me I used to experience it so much more, like, years ago. And yet, even now, when it's mostly out of my life, when things get really bad, it's immediately where your brain goes, where it's like, okay, well, remember that fallback plan where if everything gets too hard to deal with, you can just, you know, end it, like... Sure. It's like it... There's something about it that, like, completely destroys your problem-solving skills. Yes. I don't have to solve this problem. Yes, yes. And that's why it's such a godsend to have people in your life who can step in and say, hey, you know, that's not your only option. Did you try this option first? Did you, you know, like, like you don't have to go for that really, like, that huge extreme. Like, So helpful to have these people. Yes, even when they're strangers or almost, like, especially when they're strangers, because then there is that that special feeling of like connection to something so much bigger than yourself when strangers go out of their way. So I'm so glad you had that. So glad. Which is weird. A weird feeling. But yeah. 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 Thank you so much for sharing that because yeah, I think when we're able to talk about these things and not make it a huge taboo topic that you can never bring up, it makes it so much easier to actually deal with the issue. <laughs> I would have at least started working on my mental health a little mm-hmm. earlier if I knew that I wasn't just broken in my mm. brain. Yeah. Yeah. On the topic of things like mental health, one thing that a lot of people who are like anti LGBT will say is like, 
look at all the mental health issues you have. Like, it's because what you're doing is sinful. Like, would you have any, like, sort of response to them? Uh, I'm going to try to say this nicely, not like how I would actually say it. Um, <laughs> you can, Yeah, say it however you need to say <laughs> I think the logic there is inherently flawed. Because in a world that my mother, however, on accident, it was in a world where she never made it feel dangerous or bad or mm. wrong or whatever yes. to be gay or trans or whatever, I would not be anxious about that. Um, right. I wouldn't feel like I had to hide something or that I was wrong or anything. Like, I wouldn't have... Uh, I think I would probably still be mentally ill, but um, there that part of it wouldn't be there if there was not right. those people making it an issue. Right, yeah. Like, God made me gay long before I was mentally ill. Mm-hmm. And it, like, for you, like something you keep bringing up and that you also mentioned in your email is that that search for identity that you've been going like that you're still on um like identity and sort of connection and stuff in a world where the various sort of places you've lived and like environments you've been in if they haven't made you feel left out for various reasons for being black or for being lgbt or any of that like you know everyone is searching for identity in various ways but there probably would be way less of that disconnect. Um, would you agree with that? Or do you think you'd still have that sort of search? I think that um, you're definitely right on the money there because like now having found a community, I can feel like that feeling going away because mm-hmm. if no one ever made me feel like that, then I wouldn't, it wouldn't be a thing that I, was searching for if I if the world at large could be my community then I wouldn't Mm -hmm. be searching for a specific one I don't think Mm -hmm. do you ever feel like for me and this so I have like oh I have like oodles of privilege for one thing like being white middle class and stuff like growing up before I realized I was queer and autistic and stuff at the time that you're saying you were really searching for that identity I sort of took identity for and like fitting in for granted like I definitely was often confused about why I struggled to make friends and stuff um but like I didn't have to deal with you know I was white in a white majority place I was sort of I guess I don't know like assumed cishet in a cishet majority place like but once I like started having to question my identity and not just sort of taking it for granted it really became a gift even though it really sucks a lot of the time and it can feel so isolating I'm also really thankful that I've had to think about it or I don't even know what kind of person I would be like I feel like I've had to become a much sort of deeper person I guess like you know really dig into what it means to be an individual and in community in a way I wouldn't have had to yeah no I think but um, I like to not maybe put in as much effort in things that I usually have to. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. And I think that 
if it were up to me, like, at the beginning of time, if I could say. Uh, actually, I don't have to think about any of this stuff, and I don't think I would. <laughs> but I do think that also being autistic... Autistic that, high five. Autistic high five. That, like, being autistic and uh, just in general socially awkward and, like... Um, and then discovering I'm part of these communities, I think, has made me a more empathetic person. Um, mm-hmm. Because if I didn't ever have to think about how people who are different feel, because mm-hmm. I myself am different, uh, then I don't think it would ever occur to me to be the kind of person who makes those people feel better or welcomed or what have you. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll make friends with people who are quote-unquote straight, um, and then a few years down the line, we'll be like, actually, maybe I'm not. LOL, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. I like to call it my gay miasma. <laughs> all the time. I don't know what it is. <laughs> um, but usually I'm the first person they'll come to yes. about that sort of thing, because I like to think that I put off of the sort of or of a person who is safe to be around Mm, um, mm -hmm. and safe to sort of like explore all kinds of gender and sexuality and just whatever fuckery that exists Uh um if you will pardon my language sorry oh you're fine (laughs) Uh, okay cool 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 cool, yeah um but i like to think that I'm the sort of person that it is safe to be around with that sort of thing um, but I don't think that I would be if I didn't ever have to think about it right yes you know? yeah what you're saying reminds me of the the concept in scripture of like the soul of the stranger right that what what God instructs their people um, to do is to welcome in the stranger because you know the heart of the stranger um, I, I feel like I hear that in what you're saying um, that's one of the things I think about when I'm my most emo moments. Um, <laughs> that uh, even in my most emo moments, like like God gets it because everything that I have suffered, Jesus is suffering right along with me, mm-hmm. and that makes it better. And if I'm suffering something, and I see somebody else suffering that too, then I want to also be there and make it better. Yes, yes, preach it. (laughs) (laughs) I deeply appreciate how Solaris has been able to create narratives of meaning around their mental health journey. That's not to say that our suffering is good, actually, because it can lead to good. But it is a way of taking our suffering and defiantly making something good come out of it. I also appreciated Solaris' remarks about God's place in suffering, how God extends their solidarity to us in the midst of everything we go through. The next person I'll introduce to you also has insights into where God is in our suffering. I read their submission for them. My name is Raphael, pronouns they, them, or he, him, and I've struggled with my mental diagnosis of schizoaffective disorder for about 11 years. 
Within that time, I've had many moments of suicidal ideation and hospitalizations because of suicide attempts and mental breaks. One significant moment that stands out that was a pivotal point in my faith journey was my last major suicide attempt back in 2018. The moment I had attempted and was lying there waiting to die, I heard a voice that was like no other I've ever heard. Not like a hallucination or anything. That voice said, call someone, anyone. Your time is not done here. And that's when I called the suicide hotline and received help. The only way I could attribute that voice was the voice of God speaking to me. All my life I've been put down and shamed by family and religious leaders saying that my mental health issues are due to my lack of faith. In fact, that's what caused me to lose my faith back in my teens. I couldn't understand why God would punish me in the way of making me suffer mentally. I still wonder that sometimes. But the idea that God is protecting me more than God is punishing me keeps me believing that God isn't just wanting me to suffer or learn a lesson, but rather, through the acts of the world, God helps me exist through it and make the world a better place for others to exist in. The way both Solaris and Raphael have experienced the love and activity of the divine within their mental health journeys fills me with joy for them. We don't all experience such a direct intervention from the divine, but there is love at work in all of our lives. Alex Birchnell is the next person whose story you'll hear. He likewise has moved from a pretty grim place into happiness and purpose that honestly just makes me so happy for him. Alex's story exemplifies how finding a sense of purpose for your life and committing to it can be a vital component to moving forward in times of despair. Hi, my name is Alex Birchnell. I am the president of QueerChristianFamilyValues.com, as well as the co-host for the QCFE podcast. And I thought that my experience might be helpful for other individuals out there. So I am trans. I'm a um, female to male uh, transgender man. My religious background is I was raised Catholic. I grew up in a private Catholic school, got baptized, did communion, all that fun stuff. Uh, and then I ended up leaving uh, church after I came out originally as a lesbian. Uh, and I just got, I guess, fed up with how I saw the church treating LGBTQ plus people. And so I decided to back out and figure it out on my own. And that kind of started this spiral to some degree, but it wasn't that bad until I got to college when I met people that were having similar experiences as I was in regards to gender, but they knew and could put a word on it, whereas I couldn't quite yet. 
and so it caused a lot of inner turmoil and I had always suffered from anxiety and OCD and all that other stuff but it didn't really come to a head until everything kind of just was at a, like a, a crossway like it all just meshed together so that was probably my lowest point was probably in college when I had to deal with all of that and the sad part is where I live specifically I don't know about the rest of the world but I'm in the southern United States specifically Tennessee and it just there was not a lot of access to mental health care uh, for me especially as I was in my early 20s uh, 19 actually when I first started struggling and luckily our college did offer like a mental health uh, counseling so I I chose to do that because I was just I had no idea what to do and uh, the lady there was actually a lesbian uh, she helped me deal with a lot of it uh, we didn't really touch on gender issues which ended up causing me to drop out of school because I just couldn't deal with um, stress there was a lot of other stuff going on in my life but it really affected me and what got me through it was having that counseling, having that support system, having that friend network, and just being willing to get that help helps me get through it. As I am now, I am pursuing ministry. I ended up coming back to the Christian faith because I realized I wasn't actually angry at God. I was angry at the people that represented God, and I wanted to find my own place in that because Christianity was that faith that made me feel that wholeness. And so I chose to pursue reading the Bible and doing my own research, understanding what the clobber passages actually said. I had to go back and do the research for myself. And that actually helped me with my mental health along the way because I was creating this foundation of things that or, or tackling these things that had always plagued me in my life because of what people have said around me. So I had to basically just completely rip apart my perceived theology and build it myself, put it back together myself. And that's when I started QCFE, Queer Christian Family Values as a way to just document my own journey. It started out as just a basic Instagram profile and I would post every now and then about my journey and dealing with it and all that fun stuff. And it grew into what it, the organization it is now. Now, where I am in you know 2021, January of 2021, as I'm recording this, I'm in a significantly better place. For years, I was actually on anxiety medication, some pretty heavy stuff actually, and just this end of last year, I was, well actually since the summer, I was able to go off of all of my medication because I'm in a much better place. I've, I'm a much better job that I'm happy with. I'm doing ministry work. I'm doing a lot of things that bring me inner peace and it's allowed me to Come off medications. I am lucky in that fact, but I had a lot of support, had a therapist, have I have my doctors all being monitored, so it's not like I'm just going off something just because I feel like it. I'm to the point now where I, I don't need that medication to live a functionable life because I have, I'm married, you know, my husband and I, we're both trans actually, uh, we 
have had medical transition, we've had our name changes, we've had all of these things that have created a comfort within ourselves and financially speaking, jobs, all that other stuff. It's given us stability to where we feel a lot better. I feel a lot better in my life. And in comparison to where I was, it's like a 180. <laughs> uh, I remember there was a time when I first came out as trans and dealing with getting my family on board. My family was never against it. It was more of just an understanding and trying to get my name right and all of that other stuff. And I remember there's like a very vivid memory of me sitting alone at my grandparents' house, like in one of their back rooms and just crying because I never, I couldn't see things getting any better. I couldn't see myself being treated the way I saw myself felt inside. I couldn't see my body ever looking like my brain told me it should look. And that was a horrible low point, and I truly thought about giving up. I don't believe I was ever suicidal per se, but I think it, it was almost to that point of I wish that I just stopped existing or that I would just get hit by a car or something so that I wouldn't have to continue dealing with this kind of pain and just dysphoria constantly and now I'm in such a good place and if there's any advice that I could give people you know I'm I'm came out as trans at 19 years old 19 or 20 and I'm 29 now and I hurt to say I'm close to 30 but it took a long time to get here but trust me it is so worth it It is, it is so worth it. Many thanks to Alex for sharing some of his story and for the work he does with QCFV. While it took Alex time to connect his transness and his faith in a healthy way, our next and final guest proclaims that for her, struggling with queerness has not been the source of her mental health problems. For me, her story stands as a good reminder that not everybody has that struggle to reconcile their faith and sexuality or gender, even if the world tries to convince us that faith and queerness cannot mix. Nonetheless, Lavi has experienced the struggle to form community that so many of us have. She stresses the importance of finding support from various sources, because none of us are in this journey alone. I read Lavi's submission for her. I am Lavi. On the internet, that is my chosen name, and in real life, I go by my birth name. I like my birth name, but feel better not using it online. I use she, her pronouns. I'm assigned female at birth and identify as demigirl and panromantic asexual. I am 19 and was born and live in Germany. I have pretty conservative Christian parents, they are Russian slash German, and I live with them. So I grew up in a pretty homophobic environment with a lot of yelling and fighting with my siblings. I was always pretty quiet and introverted, so my mental health wasn't great, which says a lot. I am not out to my family because I live with them and don't want to risk it. Now to my mental health journey. 
For me, it's important to say that I grew up believing, and still do, just in a better way than my parents. I am comfortable in my faith and identity. I'm queer, Christian, and proud. Anyway, throughout my school life, I have been left alone and excluded, especially in elementary school. In middle school, I was not particularly liked by my class, though I did find some excluded people like me. We bonded over warrior cats in different classes. Honestly, the kids in my class my age were not the best, and my former best friend at the time from my parents' church was also a pretty shitty friend. Why is that? I was always treated as second best, unless I was the only one with her. Sucked for my mental health. Luckily, she moved away. So all the stress from my bad family situation and school was weighing on me. Most of the time in middle school, I was in a kind of dissociated state. It was like watching my life on television. I was gaining memories and kind of connected with the characters, but everything felt disconnected. I was also dealing with self-harming and suicidal ideation. I was talking about dying every day. I imagined being hurt and killed. I even knew what method I would use to take my own life. But I never wanted to take my own life. Those were fantasies. So, in a time period where I was shifting in and out of that dissociated state, making me feel shittier than normal, I took the time one time at my youth group to talk to the youth professor. Awesome lady. I trust her. I shared with her my dissociation issue, and believe it or not, after praying together, not immediately, but through the evening, that state left. It never really came back. But for a while afterwards, I missed that disconnected feeling. I guess it came as a coping mechanism. Honestly, through faith and finding good friends and going to a different church where my youth group was helped with the suicidal ideation. Sometimes phrases or thoughts like that still slip in, but it's nowhere as intense as it was at that time. Weirdly, I only realized very late, or let myself believe I had depression, late middle school, high school, as I had a rather mild depression, which still sucks. I'd like to believe that through that journey, God helped me not actually be willing to take my life or have worsened depression. He gave me hope and endurance, and I know he is and was there for me, I guess. I stopped self-harming only when I met my wonderful boyfriend. It took me a while to open up physically and also with that baggage, though he helped and supported me. So since then, like three years ago, I have never seriously self-harmed like that again. High school is where I met a lot of wonderful and queer friends. I'm at an art school and being able to be open and out in that space only helped my friends push and support me to help myself while we are also able to share our different experiences with mental health and queerness. Right now, I have a referral for a psychotherapist, which I need to call and I'm still avoiding to do, because calling gives me a lot of anxiety, especially when it's something personal like that. My boyfriend and friends helped me get to this point, though. I have also prayed a shit ton before that doctor's appointment where I needed to share my issue to be able to get that referral. Thank God he was very nice and understanding. My gender identity is something more recent that I'm still learning to get comfortable with. And honestly, my queerness has never had a negative effect on my mental health and relationship with God. Only the fact that my parents are homophobic and often misunderstanding is frustrating. 
I recommend spending time with the friends and people that will support and help you or push you to take the right steps to be able to do and learn to do it yourself. Learn to trust these good people and let them support and help you. Surround yourself with good influences if you can, and if you are connected to faith, pray. If an all-powerful entity cares about you, I'm sure he or they can and will help you with your struggles. I am so grateful to Solaris, Raphael, Alex, and Lavi for having the courage to share such vulnerable parts of their stories. I firmly believe that removing the taboo around talking honestly about mental health is a vital step for our collective healing, and particularly for trans persons who are so often made to feel isolated and like no one knows what they're going through. Near the start of this episode, I mentioned that I've been having a rough time with mental health lately, but the past week or so has actually brought an upturn in my health. And while some of that is probably just weird brain chemistry cycles, a lot of it has to do with having reached out to people I've not talked to in a while, getting to interview cool people for this podcast, getting to offer my talents to some friends, and reading a good book that helped me feel more connected to the divine than I've felt in a while. Mental illness doesn't go away in a heartbeat, or sometimes ever, and there are a lot of factors out of our control. But there are little steps we can take to breathe a little life back into our own souls or into the lives of others. Community, storytelling, purpose. These are things we need, things we can strive for for ourselves and help others to attain. I'll see you all at the end of the month for a full interview with Solaris that I think you'll really enjoy. In the meantime, Reach out to someone this week. Treat yourself to a little kindness. Learn about a community that could use your support. And as always, go break some binaries and be a blessing to the world with your life. 